Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Battles, a strength and conditioning coach and the founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. The Practice Brave Podcast brings you the relatable, trustworthy, and transparent health and fitness information you're looking for when it comes to coaching, being coached, and transitioning through the variables of motherhood and womanhood. If you're a pregnant or postpartum athlete or a coach working with this population, this show is specifically designed for you. All right, let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Practice of Brave podcast. Today I am here with my good friends, Jennifer Campbell and Annie Breeze of Balance 365. And I'm so grateful to have a conversation with them today around what it means to live a really balanced lifestyle when talking about nutrition and how that influences our lifestyle, especially during pregnancy and postpartum and motherhood for our families. They have done such a great job of really bringing a revolutionary and relatable message to, I think, the fitness community as a whole. And I'm really grateful to have been in this process with them, cheering them on, but also growing up in entrepreneurship with, with them. So guys, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. That was quite the intro. I didn't, I didn't hate that. <laughs> Just kind of like went with it, you know? <laughs> it came so easily to you. Yeah. So why don't we... Like Jen, can you introduce yourself and then Annie will have you do it so that everyone knows who's talking if they have not uh, not heard you guys speak before. Sure. I'm Jennifer Campbell. I am the co-founder of Balance 365. I'm also in Brianna's course. I've got a chapter in Brianna's course around what we do. And Annie and I help women find their ideal body weight without dieting or destroying their relationship with food. And my desire to do this was born out of my experience with diet culture and navigating diet culture with multiple pregnancies and the postpartum period and and actually realizing through it all that it doesn't have to be so crazy. It doesn't have to be filled with self-loathing and that I could find a weight that I was comfortable in without obsessing over it or having it take over my life. Love it. What about you, Annie? Um, pretty much what Jen said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the other half of Balance 365. And I wasted a lot of years hating my body, a lot of years dieting, a lot of years struggling, a lot of years feeling like I was failing, like I was screwing it up. I wasn't doing it right. Like everyone else knew a secret that I didn't know. And eventually I just kind of hit rock bottom and was like, I have nothing else to lose, but to focus on my health and in improving my habits for my health, I actually lost the weight that I ultimately was seeking in the first place. And I was able to do that from a place of self-love versus self-loathing. And it just, it's really allowed me to live a much more freeing life than ever before. And so now it's like, if I can help women do that for themselves, I'm all in. I think also what many people aren't talking about or even able to admit to themselves is how much uh, mental space their bodies and dieting and food takes up to the point that it's almost like you're experiencing uh, intrusive thoughts or um, anxiety. And anxiety at every meal, anxiety when you finish a meal because you think you might have eaten too much, anxiety about when your next meal is going to be. And what I actually see on a big level is how much this holds women back from their true potential. And Annie and I share with other entrepreneurs all the time that there is no way we could be in the sixth year of 
growing a successful business if we were both still dieting. There, we just wouldn't have the brain space for it. I absolutely agree with that. And working with so many athletes, it's embedded into our almost like the fitness industry, the nutrition culture. Like it is so part of our culture to, well, if you're going to be involved in fitness and a healthy lifestyle, then that means like you're always striving to be better or lose weight or train for this or be really meticulous about how many macros and then like maintaining those macros or cutting them or like just like these different seasons. And while there's a time and a place for that, like eventually, like, is that how you're going to spend your lifetime of being a healthy woman? Like that was a big turning point for me. It was like, this is not how I want to mother. This is not how I want to train. This is not how I want to like, like the mental capacity of running a business and tapping into that creativity. You can't be obsessing about that other stuff. And so obviously again, like growing up alongside of you guys, it was such a complimentary thing for my own journey and business and training and coaching mentality because it can destroy you. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I was destroyed by it in so many ways, or I had many years of my life were stolen from me where I could have been doing, just putting my energy in other places, uh, growing myself, growing what I want to do with my life, growing as being a better mother, maybe even motherhood could have been more fulfilling to me had I not been super distracted postpartum by all this body image stuff. I mean, I used to spend, I remember I used to spend hours and hours and hours scrolling websites, looking for like tummy tuck surgeries, looking at before and afters. I remember looking at all these different products for uh, like stretch mark creams and stuff like it, it honestly just consumed me after my first baby. And the other thing that consumed me during pregnancy was exercising and trying not to put on too much weight. Like, you know, I tracked every pound in my pregnancies and I would be, I would just feel sick about it with every pound. And so all of that really consumed me too. And it's very distracting. And I don't think I was given the, the experience that I deserved being pregnant and postpartum. Yeah. I hear that all the time. And obviously it's a pretty real lived experience for me too, where, I mean, I just remember like, oh my God, why I'm gaining 50 pounds, but I'm like not eating bad. I'm eating like, well, and I'm training really hard. Like during my first pregnancy, it was just like, that was the first time that I felt so out of control of my body and like, hello, what a life lesson there. Like you can do everything that you can to control. And sometimes like your life and your body and all these things like has other plans for you. Um, I was not willing to accept that at that time. And it was way easier to then postpartum try to like, I remember saying, and it's like something that will live with me forever. And this girl's probably totally forgot about it. But when I was postpartum, I just remember saying to a girlfriend, like, I just don't want anyone to look at me and think that I'm a mom. Like because of what my body looked like, like, you know, a stretch mark or like any like weird stomach, like changes, um, anything. Like I just didn't want to look like a mom and like, what does a mom look like? Like so many different things. Right. But it was just such a, it held such a negative connotation to me in the postpartum chapter. And then like as an athlete, like I wanted to maintain that look and that vibe and hold on to that identity so much so that like, there was a lot of things that I did that just didn't contribute to the kind of mom and like entry to motherhood that I wish I could have given myself. Right. Annie, what was it like for you? You've had three babies. And so was there like a pivotal 
difference between like, say like your first and then your third, or like, how did that, like that transition happen? Yeah. I'm, I'm laughing because my first one, I thought I was so naive. I I'm an only child. I didn't grow up around kids. I didn't babysit. I thought I'm smart. I'm capable. I'm able-bodied. Like I got this motherhood thing. I'm going to be fine. And I got pregnant and it was like YOLO. I was coming off of um, like a pretty, like I was dieting to, you know, the typical, like get married, shedding for the wedding, vomit (laughs) sort of mentality. So I was coming off of like a pretty intense diet and exercise routine. I got pregnant, didn't feel good. That all went out the window. I ended up putting on quite a bit of weight. And I remember my first meal after Sloan, my oldest was born was chicken, broccoli, and rice. Like I couldn't even like allow myself to have like some pizza. Yeah. Like (laughs) celebratory like dinner. Uh, I was, cause it was like, nope, like refocus. Got to get that weight off. And she rocked my world. She just turned my world upside down. She was a hard baby, colicky, fussy, just didn't like, didn't want to be held, didn't cuddle. All the things that I thought motherhood was going to be, it was not. And so that was a really rough transition. And then, and then when I got enough courage to have another one, I did the exact opposite. I held the reins so tight throughout pregnancy that I put on very little weight. I was out exercising right away. I remember having incontinence, pain, and then somewhere in between my second and third, I met Jen, I met you. And I was like, oh, look, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be this way. But as you know, breathe the athlete mentality in me was like, go, 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 go. Like, just go, just, it'll work itself out. Like, just ignore it. Don't worry about the pain. Don't worry about the incontinence. And then I got pregnant with Blair and she was a nice, like little Goldilocks somewhere in between, not too much, not too little, smart, sustainable, reasonable. And now not to do my own horn, I'm stronger than I've ever been in my life. So I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Who knew Annie that like <laughs> 355 pounds the other day? You are goals, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> I'm trying. No, I love it. Cause I think like uh, one of my favorite, like, sentiments that sometimes I get pushed back on is that athleticism doesn't end when motherhood begins. It just like might look different. And like, sometimes it looks better. Other times it looks different and like, it's, it's all okay, you know, and we can still pursue our life and our goals and our interests without having to sacrifice everything else, like your sanity, your nutrition, your, your parenting experience. And that's just, there's a lot of like all or nothing approaches. And one, like a thing I love from you guys is like the all or something like we, there is like a messy middle that we can live in and, you know, and just have a more enjoyable health and fitness and motherhood experience. And that's, I mean, why would we do anything other than that? Yeah. We say, uh, one of our (laughs) workshops, we say you can't sprint a marathon and what I actually learned that saying when you and I were at an NSCA conference, Right. I was with you when I first heard that. I remember it. It was a coach. We were at just a workshop mm-hmm. anyways. Um, and he was talking about it in terms of exercise. And I was like, this applies to literally everything in life, including nutrition, which is what, you know, Annie and I teach a very balanced approach to nutrition and weight loss. And now we talk about this in the workshop that women, whether if they're postpartum or they're in a phase of life where they want to lose some weight, they approach it like trying to sprint a marathon. And that is why we burn out. And that's why we end up in these pendulum swings of 
restricting and binging and restricting and binging because we just can't figure out that middle road, right? And really changing your habits, changing your daily routines is more of a marathon. And you you can sprint a marathon. You have to find a pace that is sustainable for you. And as your life changes and you move into different seasons, that pace might be different. As you have kids, as you're working full-time and have kids, if you become a single mom, any of those things will impact the pace that you can go at. And the greatest life skill that any of us can learn is how to gear down when we we can still keep moving forward, but sometimes we got to gear down a little. And then there's the other seasons of life will come where we can gear back up, but it's actually just learning to shift your pace for what's appropriate in the context of the rest of your life. And accepting that gearing down is not giving up. Right. Right. There is a difference. Oh, I love it. I talk so much about adaptability because I think like, you know, coaches and athletes and practitioners are like, oh yeah, we want to be adaptable. But then like, we don't apply it to our own life and our own like different seasons that come up and we just want to maintain them. We want to eat the right amount of macros during pregnancy and then postpartum. Like I want to start and make sure that I'm eating like only paleo, right? Because that's what's best and healthiest. And my question is like, who is this best for? Who is this healthiest Mm -hmm. for? Like, and is it really like, if we're talking about the, the wide spectrum of what health and wellness is that also involves sanity, it involves like your, your mental health truly. And then how that translates into your physical habits and what you're doing, what you're doing in the gym, what you're doing at home and like the relationships that you have and where, what's the driving force for all of these choices? And a lot of the time it's anxiety, fear, ego, and just like wanting to hold on to something that is no longer. And that's, it's hard. Like it's a tough transition, but pregnancy and postpartum is not our only like life transitions, right? I love how you talked about like you become a single mom or maybe your career changes or like there's just different seasons. And, and I hope that all of this information keeps growing up with us because maybe we're not in the season of like being pregnant and having babies anymore, but that doesn't mean that we're out of having seasons. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine going through a season in your life where you have to take care of a dying parent and you are consumed with thoughts of your body and dieting, right? Like there's just no grace there for us as humans as we work through these different seasons. And that's what I like to think Annie and I bring to the conversation. Right. And so like, what exactly is Balance 365? I know it's a lifestyle, but like, what is your guys's business? Well, it's, our business is a nutrition coaching <laughs> company. We encourage women to incorporate every facet of their health, right? And so when we talk about diet culture, we're talking about a culture that values thinness over health. And we want people to expand their definition of health and actually take a really good look at what what they value themselves. I remember the day I realized, oh, this isn't about health. Like if this was about health, I would be addressing these intrusive thoughts and this anxiety around food. Like that's not healthy at all. And I also didn't want the legacy I leave to my kids to be body and food anxieties, right? Um, and so we do a, our program is a behavior change health and wellness program. And we don't just talk about food. We talk about self-care. We talk about uh, setting boundaries. <laughs> we talk about sleep and all those kinds of things that make women feel well 
Uh, because honestly, and this is another thing we teach is if you want to lose weight, that's totally fine. But whatever mode you use to lose that weight will have to be done forever or the weight comes back on. And so if you want to try lose your weight by sprinting a marathon, you better be prepared to sprint forever, right? Mm -hmm. But nobody has that kind of gas in their tank. So we help them incorporate healthy, sustainable habits that work for their life, right? And we also really value that we simplify nutrition and fitness because in my experience, I think the, the diet industry, the fitness industry, the health industry has complicated it to the point where women have no freaking clue what right. to eat, how to eat, when to eat. And our experience is a lot of women can achieve their goals with some, with some really foundational habits. And it doesn't have to be complex and confusing to get results. Oh God. I love that you guys, I obviously am a fan (laughs) and (laughs) I love everything you're doing because you do, you make it so simple to actually create some change and it's, and it's okay to want to change your body. Um, But I do like what you said about like, do you want to be doing this for like forever? You know, I look at my mom, she's this little like fireball of a like human who just does all these things. And you think she's like eating chicken and broccoli? Like she like eats healthy, but then she has like her cookie and she's like, oh, why would anyone like not? Like it's so yeah, different to her because she just, she just, it has such a genuine approach to how she lives her life, like active and she would never restrict. And then I look at my 91 year old grandma who's like 4 PM, it's time for my red wine. And I, I went to Chick-fil-A and got, I went to the drive-thru and got my vanilla ice cream on a Tuesday at 2 PM. I'm like, Oh yeah, grandma. Like, I hope I can be like that. Cause could you imagine being 90 and like, well, I don't want to gain too much weight. Like what? Yeah. I mean, the life we want. Yeah. And Annie and I hear these stories, um, whether we have, uh, members because we actually don't work with just moms. We work with all women. We've got members that are, have never had children. And we have members that just don't identify as moms anymore because their kids might be older or grown and gone. And this spans, this will span your lifetime until you're ready to deal with it. Right. And there's the, and then in addition, just the stories we hear from our members that their mothers and their grandmothers are still freaking out about the next diet fad or what they ate at Christmas dinner or, Mm -hmm. and once you see it, you can't unsee it. Like our balance 365ers are like, it's actually really isolating to have this information because we can't even connect with women anymore because right. women are so deeply entrenched in diet culture. They're so, so many of their connections and conversations revolve around how to get thinner. Um, and sometimes you don't realize it till you're out of it and you're yeah. like, I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore, but that's what totally. everyone talks about. Yeah. And like being able to like, kind of like shut down those conversations in a way that you're just like, this is not worth any of our energy or time or like, what are we doing here? You know? So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about pregnancy because I see so many different people who just, they struggle, they struggle to adapt, seeing their body change. They feel so out of control because it's like, oh my God, what is happening? I've always eaten like this or trained like this, and I'm still trying to do it, but yet my body is just changing. I have more cellulite. I like striving for a, like a fit belly. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a freaking thing. Um, and like, if you're like me, like I'm just like an extreme belly, like I just grow large babies. There was no like cute belly stage really for me. <laughs> it's like all or nothing. And so we just see this significant struggle with body image and trying to control through nutrition. And like, I don't want to gain over X amount of pounds or like, I don't want to wear maternity pants yet. Like just so many like different mm-hmm. ways that we try to that would like we resist the changes of pregnancy. So in your guys' experience and the coaching that you do, what are some tools for navigating that? Well, the reason it, people resist these different phases is because the beliefs they have about them, right? And so ultimately what we do in Balance 365 is bring, we have to bring women back in order to see the change in the world that Annie and I want to see, we have to bring back people back to their core beliefs about themselves, about other people, and get them to unpack those and then consciously decide what they are going to believe, right? Like what's important to them, what they are going to believe so that they can move forward and live their life intentionally, not just as a byproduct of our gross, toxic, thin, obsessed culture. And so, so why why would why would be we be horrified that we're getting bigger during pregnancy like what's the belief underneath that right we don't believe that when we go through puberty we don't have a belief that we should look the same as we did before puberty yet we have all these beliefs about how we should look after we are pregnant after we have babies and it's so important to reflect on that and ask yourself where that comes from and only a lot of it comes from corporate interests of trying to get our money. Yeah, absolutely. Annie, do you have any advice for navigating pregnancy and those changes, especially because I know you're very connected to like the athlete realm and you get that? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. I would say, you know, the question that came to mind for me when you asked that question, Brie, was what are you afraid of? Like, Mm -hmm. like what, like, what is it? What's behind it? Where did you learn that? How would you move differently? And I don't, I don't mean like move in the gym. I mean like move, like live your life. Like how would you show up differently in your life if you didn't have that fear? And a question that Jen and I are constantly posting to our coaching clients is what do you want to think? What are the thoughts of the person you want to be of like Jen's best self, Bree's best self, Annie's best self? What is she thinking? What does she say to herself? What is she doing? And then how can we like bridge what you're currently doing to what that, that best self version of you is, you know, and, and it might sound like I'm learning to accept my pregnant body. I'm practicing loving my pregnant body or my postpartum body, or Mm I'm, I'm practicing compassion. You know, just these are the, these are the thoughts. These are, you know, the internal or external, if you want to say that loud, that's great too. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And it made such a significant difference going into my second pregnancy with this mindset. I knew you guys, I had been implementing this message into my business, into coaching all of my relationships. And so when I was pregnant, I was like, who do I want to be? Like, what kind of, who do I want to be and show up like in this phase of my life? Cause I know what it's like to show up and like self-sabotage. I know what mm-hmm. it's like to feel like shit through my pregnancy and be like, Oh God, I am like desperately trying to hang on to this picture I had of myself or what I thought it would be. And like, that does not work. It just, it doesn't work period. I don't know like who, who you are. Like it just doesn't work, you know? And I don't think any, I would, I would be floored I, that if 
people answered that and said, I want to be obsessive with my (laughs) nutrition. I want to be obsessed and dedicated with my movement. Most women's answers sound something like, I want to be happy. Yeah. I want to feel good. I want to be free. Uh, Yeah. Like I want to like how I look. I want to, I want to accept my body and have peace with my body. It's not this like, I want to be obsessed. No. Yeah, like, and, and it was such a pivotal thing because I was like, I don't love being pregnant. I don't love these changes. I don't love knowing that my diastasis is going to be out of freaking control. And I know this, like, I don't love these things. I don't love feeling so like, just like my babies just take over my whole body. I don't love that. But I also can sit back and say like, what is my body doing? It's doing a really great thing. And I'm able to move. I don't have like a lot of pain and I'm able to be in this body and, and just accept where I am right now, because this is, I know this is temporary. I know I will not be pregnant forever. Um, and what can I do to just have like the most sane experience and like leaning into that made such a big difference where I could eat well, but I could also like not, and it was still okay. Like it's still all okay. Yeah. I was also wanting to mention, because I know a lot of people listening, um, probably if they're new to even this concept, they probably don't understand. Because I think one thing that we're kind of taught to believe, especially working in the health and wellness industry is like, but obesity, but obesity rates, but this, but that. And that's the constantly the counter argument that Annie and I hear when we are talking about relaxing your restrictions around food, because everybody thinks if you're not being obsessed, hypervigilant, you're going to be on the other end of the spectrum. Right. And actually studies show the opposite. So if we are all evidence-based professionals in here, studies show the opposite, that strict dietary concerns, I guess, or restrictions lead people to overeat. And people who struggle with their weight are struggling with their eating habits, probably because they have an extensive dieting history. And there's actually studies, and I think I mentioned this in, in my chapter in your course, mm-hmm. that women who are, you know, there's, there's going to be a range of weight we put on when we're pregnant. Some women will put on less and some women will put on more. My goal for women, mine and Annie's goal, is that they put on the exact amount of weight that is right for them. So what about those that feel like their habits are out of control, right? Some people feel that way. They can't, they're just eating chaotically. They can't stop. They feel like eating becomes this out of body experience, but studies show there's two studies and we can link them in the show notes. I can send them to you, Brie. The women gaining the most weight in pregnancy are the ones with the most extensive diet histories. Um, And I have another study that shows the women with the most severe body image issues end up being the ones gaining the most weight in pregnancy. And again, that's not to shame people who do put on um, (laughs) a bit of weight in pregnancy. It's just to say, if your goal is to gain just the right exact amount of healthy weight for you in that, that season of your life, dieting, restricting, and shaming your body isn't the way to do it. Right. And we see that, I mean working with so many different people, like this, it's almost like there's so many case studies where I'm like, yep, like this person had been dieting for the last 10 years of her life. And then pregnancy just kind of was this out of body experience. And it was really hard. Whereas when you can just really just let your body do what it's going to do and what's going to keep you sane. And it's, it's still, it's going to be okay. (laughs) 
If you have, and that's the thing, if you have a healthy relationship with food and balanced, healthy nutrition habits, and you address all the facets of your life that are important, like your emotional wellness, your social health, your body will be a healthy weight for you, right? Acknowledging that everybody has a different healthy weight. And Annie and I, we just compare the two of us um, often to our audience to say like, what is healthy for Annie is not healthy for me and vice versa. Right. Yet Annie and I are grew up in similar circumstances. We have we are the exact same height. Her and I have both had three kids, but Annie and I are still very different weights today. But I consider my weight a perfectly healthy weight, and Annie considers her weight a perfectly healthy weight. So we Absolutely. need to you know, also have these conversations of how genetics influence right. our weight, um, how our environments influence our weight, right. and start to be okay with that and actually start to look inward. And for me, it was just life-changing to go, but what's comfortable for me? Like what right. would what would I want to feel comfortable in my body? And there's the external, right? There's the external pressure that can make you feel uncomfortable in your body. And so once you kind of unpack that and can get rid of that, that's when you can look inward. And so for me, I have been on two ends of the spectrum. I have been 30 pounds heavier than I am right now, and I have been 20 pounds leaner. And neither of those were healthy and neither of them were sustainable. I certainly was not showing up as my best self in my life at either end of those spectrum. Um, and so for a lot of women out there who are leaner, that might be an acceptance that they have to come to in this journey. Like I really, I remember reaching out to Annie, you know, six years ago, likely, and saying to you, Annie, I'm, I'm heavier than I thought I would be with doing this journey. And she said, are you doing that thing? <laughs> that women do when they think that they're, they have idealized a body type so much that you think you're just magically going to land there at some point. And I kind of was, I was like, I'm going to do this diet and then this diet and then this diet. And now I'm going to do moderation and moderation will get me where I want to <laughs> be. And that's when it fully clicked that like I had idealized a body type that was actually not emotionally sustainable for me. Like it wasn't psychologically sustainable for me to be that lean. And I actually, looking back, I'm not even sure it was physically healthy for me to be that lean. And this is why we always say, um, we really encourage our, our community to ditch the goal weights and focus on a goal life. Right. Because like Jen was saying, I know damn well what I could do to get down to Jen's weight. I know all the tricks, right? Like I know everything I need to know to, to get there ultimately to get there and stay there, I'd have to live a life that I'm just not interested in living. And that feels so empowering and freeing to me to just say like, yeah, I could do that, but like, I don't want to. I choose it. I just don't want to. Oh God. I love that. And I think that there's also this fear when you become a mom. Um, so like in pregnancy, we're like, well, I want to be eating the healthiest for my baby. Like almost like these justifications that are like totally valid And it's true. Like we obviously want to eat nutritious foods through pregnancy for the benefits for our baby. And, but then there's like this fear of like, well, if I eat this, it's not healthy. And if I like, and if I don't exercise and eat this certain way, then I'm not going to have a good delivery or I'm not going to bounce back. And like all of these, like really like these, this belief system that is embedded in diet culture, but we almost use like, uh, I don't know how to say this, but like we almost like use our baby as like an excuse for our like almost extreme behavior or approach to controlling our food. You know what I mean? It's like the carrot. 
Yeah. yeah. When you're in that mindset, it's so unsustainable that you're looking for anything to keep you on track, quote unquote, yeah. like whether it's you're hardcore shaming yourself, like you're that drill sergeant every morning or that mean coach you grew up with every morning looking in the mirror, or you're saying, I got to do this for my kid. Or if I don't mm-hmm. do this, my husband will leave me. Like we just have all these ingrained beliefs around bodies, around other people's bodies, around women, period. And I, I just, once you start unpacking that and you realize how often those thoughts come to you, it's mind blowing. And it's, it's no, no kidding. We're all like such a mess around our bodies, right? When you actually think you could lose your partner because of your body, when you actually have that ingrained belief somewhere in there, maybe it's something your mom said, maybe your dad used to fat shame your mom all the Mm -hmm. time. Like all these experiences, we just collect these experiences over the courses of our lives. And that's what we're all operating from today. Like that becomes our inner dialogue, our inner thoughts. It drives our feelings. It drives our, our actions. And ultimately that's what's driving our results. And also just the nod that like moms do things perfectly all the time. Like that's, that's, an, that's another belief, you know, that right. like, I have to make the best choice all the time. And I'm this like, do it all. I can handle it all. I can have perfect schedules, a clean house, a thriving career, clean babies that smell good, like <laughs> laundry put away, you know, and the sooner you can accept that, like, you're going to screw it up, the better off you're probably going to be. Absolutely. So then that's a great segue into talking about postpartum because there's such a, I, I feel like it doesn't matter how like you know, how evolved you are in like becoming better and like having better body image and understanding of healthy habits. Postpartum is a super vulnerable period where it sets you up to be like extra hyper aware of what your body looks like, how your body feels, what it's doing. And like, it is just this land of insecurity, even for the most confident informed people. And I mean, I really, I worked so hard after having chance to just like, I'm just going to be here. I'm just going to be in my body. I'm going to just try to do what I can knowing that this is not a six week thing. This is not an, you know, six month thing. This is playing the long game of my body, finding a new homeostasis. But I also know what it's like to be in the, the trenches of like, God, I don't like how I look and I don't like how I feel. And that's, and those feelings are valid. So how, how do you guys suggest navigating not just the early weeks postpartum, but your evolution as a mom and a changing body. <laughs> no pressure with that one. Hey, the, the first word that came to mind was self-compassion, which is something we talk a lot about in Balance 365 because you know I think people resist, women resist, um, probably athletes even more so resist practicing self-compassion because they confuse it with complacency, giving up, I just don't care anymore. And we would we would say the same way that you probably know when your baby needs a nap, when it needs fed, when it needs, you know, a walk in the sunshine, when it needs more sleep, less sleep, whatever, um, you can do that for yourself. And being really compassionate with yourself, especially in those those early days, but as as your baby gets older, as you move further and further away from delivery to say like, what do I really need right now? Is it rest? Is it food? Is it, is it alone time? Is it some movement, some gentle movement? And women are really, really good at it. We just don't trust ourselves Mm -hmm. in my experience. 
Right. And I was like, so just like these rigid beliefs and being able to do it all and like not ask for help and not like appear needy or weak that it's just like, it's so hard to allow yourself to shift. I think for a lot of us, our our egos are being destroyed in this mm-hmm. process, right? Like we've all built an, we all have an identity and many of us have built our identities around our bodies, our performance, our productivity. And that's such a shake up in life that what you've, you realize what you've built your identity around and what makes you feel good at the end of the day is no longer possible for you. And so actually, I think this time is an opportunity to become more fluid and to grow deeper in learning who you are and what your identity is beyond what your body looks like, beyond your performance, beyond what you can get done in a day. Like, like who are you? If all of the, when all of those things are stripped away from you, like who Mm -hmm. are you at your core? And that's an opportunity to really get to know that woman. right? Right. And like, isn't that the woman I want my boys to know anyway? Yes. Like they don't, they're not going to care if mommy can deadlift 300 pounds. Like maybe that's a cool thing, but at the root of it, like I want my boys to know me for who I am that when it's not attached to all of these like extracurricular accomplishments, right? Like I want them to know my heart and I want them to know my brain and I want them to know like what I would do for them. Right. And like we, but it is like, I remember from atomic habits with by James Clear. Like he talks about your identity being fluid. And I'm like, yes, because it's so, it is so easy to attach myself to, well, I'm an athlete or I'm a coach mm-hmm. or I'm an entrepreneur and like all these things. And like, I am all those things and I'm freaking proud of being all those things. And also without those things, I'm still a really awesome, valid human who's doing good things in my family. And like, we have to stay there because what we look like is going to change anyway. We're not going to always have the body and, and face that we had at 25, just like we don't have the body and face that we had at 15 mm-hmm. or 35 or 45 or whatever, like onward, we're, we're supposed to change, but postpartum just makes it such a, like, so evident, it's fast like and so evident. Yeah, it's so <laughs> fast and intense and it's normal and natural to have to have to re-kilter and find a sense of self again. I think that we just, as Annie said, we have to have a lot of our compassion during that time. And I, I just think the reason it can be so disappointing or traumatizing, devastating in some cases, is because of the message we've been given about what it is supposed to look like, what it should mm-hmm. look like, how successful women navigate that. And again, that's why it's so important to unpack those beliefs and re- and actively consciously reject them. Like, right. not no, I'm I'm not uh, opting in to that. I am opting right. out. And like, not following people on social media that like are like living. And I'm using my air quotes for nobody to see, but like this like lifestyle that's actually probably a big front. And people are like, oh well, she's doing this, and like she just had a baby, and like I get these messages all the time of almost like this comparison culture. Um, and it's so easy now, like social media, Instagram has like blown up over the last six years since, you know, a lot of us, we were like in the trenches of our first or second babies. And, you know, we've seen it postpartum, like highlighted. And in some ways it's been highlighted really positively and showing like how bodies have changed. And that's great. Cause that certainly wasn't around after I had Cade, but you know, on there's still 
I remember just like looking for women who had stomachs similar to me or almost like goal bodies, like, oh, she doesn't even look like she had a baby. And like, that's admirable. And I want to look like that. And I want to train like that. And like, oh, look, she's doing that heavy deadlift and her baby's right there. Like that was almost like a goal vibe for me. And part of my life is that, but there's a, a huge part of my life. That's just like, I'm cool. Kind of just being average and like healthy average, not, not great. I'm okay. Not being great anymore. (laughs) Freedom though. True freedom is letting them do them and you do you. So me and we have a saying in balance 365 called good for her, not for me Mm -hmm. and not in any kind of catty or malicious way, but truly like you are free when you can, can scroll through social media or talk to a friend and listen to what they're doing and the results they're getting and just think to yourself, good for her, not for me. Because I am on this path and this is the path that I need to be on right now. Mm -hmm. This is what works for me. Yep. And in the in the middle, you might have to set some boundaries with social media. Like unfollow those people while you're like focusing on building your own foundation of self-worth and love and appreciation and respect. But eventually, like Jen said, like, look, if I had a, if I was triggered every time I saw a fit woman, a fit mom, a, a woman doing more than me that was funnier, prettier, smarter, leaner, more successful, I couldn't live my life. Right. Like, yeah. It's a landmine of triggers. A, right. <laughs> yes. And, yeah. and it's a really, when you are triggered like that, it is an opportunity look to look inside of yourself. Right. And Annie and I, all kinds of different approaches, right? Coaching is very individualized. Mm-hmm. So they have to take breaks from weighing themselves. Some women have to get off Instagram. And I would wholeheartedly encourage those things until you feel uh, mentally well or emotionally strong enough to deal with the triggers when they come your way, right? Because it's not that Annie and I don't have triggers anymore. And it's not that Annie and I don't have bad body image days anymore. It's that right. we now have the skills and the motion and the emotional capability to handle those days without them making us spiral into a sea of diets. Right. I love how you guys talk about neutrality. And there's like some things that I feel like I can absolutely be neutral on now, which is like conversations and seeing things and like I things I don't follow or things I do follow that I'm like, well, I don't agree with that, but I can, I can move on. I don't need to announce to the world that I don't agree with it. We're crazy concept guys. But like I, through my pregnancy, I didn't weigh myself at all. Cause I was like, I know that seeing that number crawl up. Like I remember when I got like close to Jared's weight that I was like, Oh my God, during my first pregnancy, mm-hmm. and I knew that I did not want to revisit that, that like that mind fuck again. Right. I just did not want to go there. So I didn't weigh myself through pregnancy. And then at any doctor visits, I don't get weighed to this day. I am to this day day, and chances too. And I don't like anytime I go to the doctor, like, and it doesn't have anything to do with like postpartum or whatever. I just like, I would rather not see a number because I don't want that to like, oh God, I should really clean up how I'm eating. Maybe I should start doing this more. Like it's an easy path for me to go to a place that's like not healthy. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I feel like I have a really solid fitness routine that I enjoy. That's not like miserable. And I like having the freedom to eat what I want which is both healthy and and like outside of that spectrum. That's okay. But I don't want, I know the things that will, that will open up that, those like gates to going a place that I don't want to go. Right. Yeah. And I think if more people were honest, they would say that they were having a great day. They felt healthy and comfortable in their body. 
they maybe even felt beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then they stepped on the scale that night and it destroyed them. Yep. Like our relationship with scales, women, like our relationship with scales, some people have this relationship with tape measures or body fat calibers or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is so unhealthy. And I actually didn't weigh myself for four years uh, when I just was like, I got to break up with this scale situation. I didn't weigh myself for four years. And then I actually had a situation that made me realize, okay, this is like, I got to deal with this. And we were at the airport going on a trip and we were, there was a suitcase scale to weigh your suitcases to make sure they weren't overweight. And so my kids had started getting on the scale to weigh themselves. And then my husband was getting on the scale and they were all going on together. And then they were like, mommy, come on, mommy, come on. And I was going, like, I could just feel this sickness inside of me. Like, oh my God, I just, I can't face it. And then I thought, I don't want to be like this. It was just another, it's just the flip side of the coin. Like not weighing myself became, now I'm being controlled by not weighing myself. (laughs) And I, I was just like, no, like, I'm ready. Like I've had this, I've dealt with so much stuff in my life. I'm ready for this. I can, I can know what I weigh. So that actually I would say is what triggered my true freedom from being controlled or have any negative thoughts about the number on the scale. And now I can truly look at the scale and go, it's just data. And it's also helped me understand other women. Like Again, because Annie and I work with so many different women, there are lots of women out there who are not triggered by the scale. And if we do want to be free and free women and say good for her, not for me, we can't say that the scale is a totally useless instrument because for some people it is, it's useful. It's a tool. They use it, they take it and they use it as a tool, not a weapon. The problem in our culture is that we do have a lot of tools available to us and and many women have learned to use those tools as weapons against themselves and use them in an unhealthy way. And that's why we have the such a disordered relationship with food, scales, macro counting, shopping for dresses and swimsuits. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So many different things. And, you know, we have the ability, like what has been a, a real driving force for me is, you know, like, what do I want my kids to see? Yeah. And I mean, I don't have a daughter, but I have boys and I, I, I'm the kind of woman, like, I, I feel like they're, I've been given this opportunity to raise my boys into the kind of men that I love and respect in this world. Right. And like, it's, it's a really powerful opportunity to be a, you know, (laughs) like strong woman who gets to raise strong boys. And do I want them to see me like picking apart my body and be like, well, mommy has to work out because she has to lose some weight or like, Oh, mommy shouldn't have had that piece of cake. Cause now I, I need to like go on a run in the morning. Like I will, they will literally never grow up hearing me say anything about my body like that. Or like I have to work out or anything. I feel like that is such a, it sets us back so far as women and in our power. Yeah. I mean, and let's get real. What you say to your kids goes in one ear and out the other. You ultimately become what you're, what the important person in your life embodied. Right. right? And so even thinking back to being a teenager. And again, I don't want to give, um, I think moms and dads can be incredibly influential to how we develop our sense of self, but it's not everything. We live in a really gross culture and teenage girls, you could have the most empowering mom in the world. Like we actually have a podcast on this, that my mom was actually very, you know, neutral about her body and wore bikinis and had stretch marks. She was a novelty back in the nineties. But I still fell into it, right? And so this is really 
in order to change things for our kids, like this is a team effort here, friends. Like moms are not, we cannot totally shoulder that burden. We need to spread it around and we need to start talking about just the bigger picture and the media our kids are exposed to. But I, back to what I think is just really embodying what you, the change that you want to see in the world, right? Right. No, yeah, we can do that in our own home. And I like the, I love what you said about the team because then it's how are we collectively spreading this message and what are we representing as coaches? You know, what are we doing in the fitness industry? What are, if you're in the, within the nutrition community, what are you doing there? Like what kind of message are you spreading about how our kids should eat and what their life should be and what our family like dynamic is? There's so much of that too, where, I mean, I remember thinking, well, like this was again, seven years ago where like, well, I'm going to have a paleo family, obviously, is what I <laughs> So I thought, and like now, like, that's so unrealistic for my family. Maybe it works yeah. for some people, but like, that was such a, for me to look at only me, that was a really sanctimonious thought process about what I thought my family would be like, about what was healthiest and best. Yeah. But like, that's all so relative. And like, that's not, that's not how I personally want to raise my boys. I want them to be able to like have a variety of life and food and active experiences, you know? Well, big picture again. I mean, I think we all realize and can see on a grand scale that people who do well in life are flexible. They're mentally and emotionally flexible and they can adapt and they have resiliency, right? And so when you're calling yourself a paleo mom or a paleo family, what you're doing again, back to identity is you're attaching your identity to a diet ideal. And like, what are diets? They are companies, people like, (laughs) and so it's like, you know, we all want to think we're all so woke, but how much have we, you know, we've just totally bought into these, like diet culture is companies. That's what diet culture is, right? As is beauty culture, et cetera, et cetera. So what, how, what are we teaching our kids and our families if we are a paleo family or a whole 30 family or a weight watchers family. And it's, it's traumatic for kids. This truly is traumatic. And Annie and I, we hear this story every single day, Mm -hmm. women unpacking the crap that their parents taught them about bodies and about food, still struggling with it in their twenties, in their thirties, in their forties, in their fifties, and sharing stories with us about, I mean, I have, I have a million, but mom would my brothers were allowed to have pudding for dessert after supper and I had to have a fat-free yogurt. Like it just, and just this stuff is just so heavy and I, and I can totally relate and have compassion for those women because I certainly didn't find this life before I had kids. I found it after. And one of my big turning points in my journey was I found food hidden under my son's bed and I, it like hit me like it just, and I thought, what am I doing to this kid? And he had a bunch of wrappers underneath his bed. And then he had a bunch of, I had cans of empty cans of soda. Um, And we had just like a spare fridge in our garage that had soda and other things in it. And he was getting up in the middle of the night and sneaking out there and sneaking that food. And in a previous mindset, I would have gone, we got to buckle down. We got to stop buying that stuff. We, but I had done enough work at that point that I realized that this is a sign of developing an eating disorder. And this is a child who is hiding. He's too ashamed 
to have it in front of his parents, or he thinks there's going to be disciplinary measures if, if we find out that he's eating it. So from that point on, I loosened the reins and the solution. I mean, and we could get into this maybe in a future mm-hmm. podcast, but yeah. at that point it was, okay, Tuesday evening, random supper. Who, Sam, do you want a soda with your supper? Like actually normalizing the a moderate approach to nutrition in order that my son wouldn't be preoccupied with the, these foods anymore. And my kids aren't preoccupied with food, right? My, I would say my oldest son is the only one truly impacted by my dieting behaviors, but I am so proud to say that um, six years later, he has a very healthy relationship with food. We have boundaries in our home, but there's no restrictions. And I just, I'm so excited for what's available to my kids growing up with a totally different relationship with food. Because again, back to our kind of our intro, I think if more people were being honest, they would admit that food takes up a lot. Food and bodies take up a lot of mental space. And I'm like, Mm. think of the possibilities for this next generation if they don't have that baggage. It's incredible. I love it. I learned so much from you guys, just like as a mom, you know, you guys have really helped me understand like the kind of mom I want to be and the lens that I see so much of my behavior and coaching through, especially as it relates to like the stuff and the messaging in my own home. And I'm just really grateful for all the work you guys are doing, like the big important work that goes so far beyond what so far beyond the conversations just in this podcast, but everything you guys are working on behind the scenes to just really change the game in so many ways. Thank you. We feel the same about you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks guys. Well, I know we're, we're all in this together. Thank you guys so much for being here quickly. Tell us where we can find more about you guys. You find us at balance365life.com or balance365life on Instagram. Awesome. We like, we like the gram, don't we, Jen? We do. More yeah. so than Facebook. Yeah. Although we do do Facebook lives quite a bit. Yeah. We, we go live every Monday morning and we go live in our private Facebook group every Thursday morning. And that private Facebook group is called weight loss without restriction. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, you guys are doing a great job. I'm proud of you. And thank you for being on our podcast. Thanks, thank you, lady. Me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're a pregnant athlete and you're looking for information about how to train through your pregnancy, what adjustments to make, things like that, I want to tell you about two resources that I have. The first one is a free download. You can access it on my website and it goes over how to adjust your exercise through pregnancy. Just like the basics, the things that you need to know that you can implement right away. If you just want a program that's done for you that you can trust and know that it was already designed to take into account the changes that your body is experiencing during pregnancy, where it respects the demands on your core and pelvic floor, but also the kind of fitness that you want to do, I created a program with my friend and colleague Heather Osby called the Pregnant Athlete Training Program. We also have an at-home version of that if equipment is something that uh, you don't have a whole lot of access to. So those are two resources that I highly recommend every pregnant athlete looking at and using as a way to give you the confidence and guidance that you need to navigate this chapter well, because your pregnancy can really help set you up for your postpartum.